Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Psalms 118 and verse 24 today, it says, This is the day, everyone say day, which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. On the side of my Bible, it says the Lord's doings and the Lord's day. Amen. Everyone say the Lord's day. All right, jump over to John 11. We're going to begin at the beginning there. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. That was where they lived. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, and whose brother Lazarus was sick. He was sick, y'all. He was real sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold him who thou loveth is sick the one you love is sick that should move him and when jesus heard that he said this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of god that the son of god might be glorified jump down to verse 11 these things said he and after that he said unto them our friend lazarus sleepeth well that's a nice way of saying it but i go that i may awake him out of his sleep That's great. And then verse 14. Then Jesus said unto them, plainly, Lazarus is dead. I thought you said this wasn't a sickness unto death, Jesus. But you have to understand when Jesus says something, it means they're not going to stay that way. Amen. And I am glad for your sakes that I will not, that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And maybe some of you know the rest of the story, but the disciples were like, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) This is getting a little crazy, but I trust your word, God. And so when he gets there, Martha runs out and meets him. And he says, thy brother shall rise again in verse 23. And then it continues down and he sees Mary and she comes out and she worships the Lord. And he says, take me where they have laid him. And the one verse that's interesting is that Jesus wept. Smallest verse in the Bible, verse 35, 11. Jesus wept. And then they took away the stone and he called for Lazarus and he came forth. How many know God's a miracle working God? Amen. I just want to spend a little bit of time talking to you today about the Lord's day. The Lord's day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Jesus, would you anoint your word and would you use it for your glory in Jesus' precious name. Everyone said amen. You may be seated. Uh, We decided to go on a vacation, and some of you know about that. And on that vacation, we went up the East Coast. How many have been up the East Coast? Anybody? Give me a shout out. So when when going up, so when I don't know which one to talk it to, apparently. (laughs) So when going up the East Coast. We got notification that there was a hurricane working its way up the east coast as well and we had planned this vacation for two years i mean 
we were ready, we were excited, we had set aside what we thought we needed, and we were all ready to go. And we get up to New York and start hearing about this great hurricane that's working its way in, and it's going to just destroy our vacation plans. And we're like, oh, God, you knew about this. You knew we were planning this, and we were we were kind of burnt out, you know. Quite honestly, we were needing some time away, so we were enjoying family time, having a good old time, going to Bob's Clam Hut, and just I mean, she recommended Clam Hut, so it was good, and we were just having a wonderful time. And I talked to my wife, and she's like, you know what? I don't even know what they're calling this storm, and I said, you know what? I hope they put a name on it because I know a name that's higher than every other name. And we started praying, and I was like, Lord, could you just keep that out over the water? And that storm that was moving toward land just kind of turned and went right out back over the Atlantic Ocean and just died out over the Atlantic Ocean. And we had sun all the way up the East Coast, and we had a wonderful vacation. And I believe in the power of the name of Jesus because of it. I feel like we were like, Lord, every day, every day we got up, like, Lord, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We're going to have a good day in you. We're going to enjoy ourselves and we're going to have a great time. How many know that God's interested in your blessings? Amen. And so we were having a great day, and we're just like, oh, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We're going to have a great time together, and God's going to take care of the stuff we can't handle. I'm grateful that I can put my trust in God, and he can handle what I can't handle. Amen. So I was thinking about this particular statement, the day of the Lord, and I realized that in, early, in the early first century church, they started using this term as kind of like a protest. It was like a riot they were starting in the city. They were tired of them using the day of the Lord to reference Caesar or Augustus. They were like, the day of Augustus and the day of Caesar. And they were like, no, no, there's a name higher than Augustus and there's a name higher than Caesar. And so the first century church, those that were called the way in the early church, they started calling it the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what they were saying was, my Jesus is bigger than all the government that's established already in this land. My Jesus is higher than Augustus, and my Jesus is higher than Caesar, and no matter what you do to me, this is still going to be the day of the Lord, amen? Have you ever been in a situation where things were just falling all apart, and you just kind of had enough of it, and you stood up in your spirit and said, you know what, this is the day that the Lord hath made, his name's on my life, his name's on my family, his name's on my home, and nothing can come against it, because great is the Lord. And his name is great. There's nothing. I, I, I just wonder if there's anybody that knows how to put God's name on something. Amen. We don't build baptistries to leave them dry. We're going to fill it and put the name on some people. Amen. Because when you get the name of Jesus Christ on your life, you are born again. There's new creation that takes place in you. You rise anew. And whenever you go down to the watery grave, you leave that old man behind. And you bury what used to be in order to come up to new life. Amen. And you put God's name on your life and everything changes. Everything changes. So we see here in the scripture the story of Lazarus. How many have read the story of Lazarus before? They travel almost a day. It's about 20 hours roughly to get to where Jesus was from the town of Bethany. So they spent almost a full day on camels or something, donkeys, traveling. And they get to Jesus they're like, Jesus, Lazarus needs you. He loves you. He's your friend. You know, the, your, your bro, your man. 
Lazarus, you guys hang out. You guys are close. It's you and him, you know, you guys go way back, like flat tire. Well, I don't know, like something. Like you guys go way back before there was tires. So like back in the day when there was donkeys. You guys go way back. So he's like, the, the messengers were sent because that's how they did it in those days. They send out a messenger to get Jesus and they would give him a message or news or word that he needed to come back. And so they, they came to Jesus and they tell him this and they're like, Jesus, you, he's going to die. He's like sick, really sick. And Jesus is like, oh man, I love Lazarus. He's bad? Yeah, he's really bad. How many think Jesus was surprised by the news? Of course not. If he, if he, it's funny because I was, the other day someone told me, I was talking about a doctor and they were saying that, um, this is just a side note, they said, yeah, those doctors, you know, that's why they call it a practice because they're all practicing on you. You've heard that statement before? Jesus never practices. He doesn't need to practice. He has all knowing and all ability, Amen. So I'm glad he's not just using us as guinea pigs on how to get the world saved or how to work through our lives. He's actually developing us. So the two things that you need to know about Jesus Christ is he's more concerned about getting glory and developing you than he is about your comfort. So when you have a situation that happens in your life, a lot of times it feels like God will wait longer than he should to answer a prayer. And so they show up and they're messengers and they're sent to get Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, you need to come and you need to, you need to handle this situation. And Jesus is like, okay, this sickness is not unto death, but to give me glory. Amen? So he, he does that. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, that's, that's good, Jesus, but you need to get on the camel and you need to go with us because Lazarus is dying. I like the word you're saying. Has anybody ever been there before where, where you're praying and scripture is coming to your mind, but nothing seems to be chang changing? And you're like, well, God, you told me to bring everything to you, to cast all my cares on you, but I casted all my cares on you when they were bad, and now it's gotten worse. Have you ever been there before? Where you're praying about something that's bad, and you're like, Jesus, I really need you to show up right here. And then he doesn't show up, and it gets worse. And then all of a sudden, you're like, why? Why, God? Why did you let it get worse? And like I said, he's interested in him getting the glory, and he's also interested in developing you. The funny thing is that God will sometimes let things get worse so, like there, so there's no way that you could resolve it in your own strength. So there's no way that you could touch it and change it. So that whenever he does fix it, or he does heal, or he does deliver, everyone around you and yourself will say, it was only God that could do that. There's no other way but God. And so Jesus says, Lazarus, and in the scripture, it says he loves Lazarus. And for you and me, I would think that he would respond in a very aggressive or very urgent way if he loves something. He said, I love Mary, Martha, and I love Lazarus. And instead of responding like, okay, let's go. Let's pack up. Let's stop what we're doing and let's run to Bethany and let's heal Lazarus. He goes, I love Lazarus. I'll see you in two days. That doesn't make any sense to me or to you, I don't think. If you had somebody that was, you know, one of the interesting things is, I'll tell you, is my wife's a very busy lady. And there was one time where I got a little bit upset because I broke down on the side of the road and I called her. And she was like, oh, honey, yeah, um, I could probably be there in about 45 minutes. I got some things I need to do. And then, <laughs> and I'm like, 
Hello, I'm on the side of the road, broken down. You need to come and get me right now up in this place. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, oh, oh, I'll drop everything I'm doing and I'll come get you. Apparently, she didn't understand the urgency of the situation. And I think maybe those messengers felt like they needed to impress Jesus with more urgency because he, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Um, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And I'll see you in two days. If you, if you know the timetable of the travel, they had traveled for a day. Lazarus was alive whenever they left. And according to Jewish custom, when someone dies, they need to be buried by sundown of the day that they pass away. So it's very possible that Lazarus was either alive about the time they gave the message or he had just died. And Jesus says, it's going to be all right. And they're like, no, you need to come with us. He said, well, hold on. I, you sent for me and I've sent my word which is enough. I don't have to go there. All I need to do is send my word because he has creative word. Amen? So he said, my word is going to change things. And they didn't understand this, of course, because they were expecting them to come back. So they take the message back and they tell Mary and Martha that he's been told. And I wonder if it's, if it's okay with you if, if I... If I read into this just a little bit, that maybe Mary and Martha might have felt a little bit shortchanged. They're best friends with Jesus. And he is not interested in turning and coming back right away. He says he loves us. But Jesus, who can walk on water and can do all of these great miracles, but he can't come heal Lazarus, his best friend, that seems counterintuitive. It seems wrong that someone who loves us would wait two more days. In fact, Jesus said, I'm glad. He says, I am glad for your sake. Now that's just rude. Your best friend's dying. You say, I'm going to wait two days. And then you say, I'm glad about it. Something's wrong with this picture here. And so Jesus continues and he stays for two more days. And I, I, I don't know about you, but have you ever had a two-more-day experience where you asked God to do something and it was so urgent and you really needed him to answer and you were like, God, you told me you wouldn't put more on me than I could bear and where are you and why haven't you shown up and it's okay to ask God why and why aren't you here and God whispers back, I know I told you I won't put more on you than you can bear and you're still alive, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm still alive, I'm still breathing. He's like, well, great, then you're good. I'm taking care of it. God's silence is often him working, and I talked about that earlier. And the one thing that I found most encouraging is that whenever we spend time with God, we have to know that we don't always understand his ways or his process. Amen? And God is trying to mature his people to where we're not just coming to God with a laundry list of things that we want him to do. And we're, like, we're not just like Jesus, I like a new car, and I need some extra money for my rent, and I need to cover that insurance. Jesus is not our Santa Claus, amen? He's teaching us some resolve so that we have a better understanding of him so that we're not just babes eating milk from the word of God, and then we, we burp, and all of a sudden we need a whole other experience to understand God because we need to be filled again. He's putting meat into our life 
life and when we taste and see that the Lord is good, we understand that he is a God who works even when we're sleeping. He's a God who works even when we don't understand. And as he continues to work, we have to learn to trust him in that work. And I believe that if we can give him the moment and space that he'll show us his miraculous power. Someone said amen. And God didn't promise us comfort. I'm grateful that he says in his word that there's no weapon formed against us that can prosper. He didn't say it's not going to hurt. But he's gonna, he did say that it's not going to prosper. And what you have to understand about the crazy intuition of God is that he knows what's going to take place long be, before it ever happens to us. So he has the ability to speak a word that goes before the event or the circumstance to handle the situation. Because his word is as good as his presence. Amen? So I know that there's situations in my life that had God not stepped in, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be off mumbling in the corner, some institution somewhere possibly. I'd have situations. And, and so whenever I come to the house of God, I come every day like, I don't know, God, if you're going to handle it, but I come to worship you. And so, and then when you come and worship God, you, you understand that worship activates God's word. Amen. And your praise spins, she's <laughs> praising the Lord. And your praise gives moments for God to work on your behalf because you're saying, God, I'm here today. This is the Lord's day. I lift you up. I don't know why it's happening the way it's happening. I don't know why that person left my life. I don't know why I lost the things I lost, but I'm going to focus on what's left and what I have in you is the fact that I know that this is your day. Your name's on my life and you're working and I'm going to praise you for it. And that's a powerful place to be. You confuse the devil when you praise like that. You make the devil angry because he doesn't understand how you can have so much going on that's bad and still praise the Lord. But what he also doesn't understand is I have a God who can speak over my life and he's a creative God and the devil is not a creator. He doesn't have the power to create. So I'm glad I'm serving on the winning team, amen? I'm glad I'm serving a God that can say, today is your day and it happens just as he said it would happen. In fact, I'm grateful that God speaks to my situation before my situation shows up. I'm glad that I know a God who's so preemptive that he'll take a word. Oh, let me get up here. That he'll take a word and he'll say, this is going to happen right here whenever he's speaking over here. And because he's alpha and omega, and because he's beginning and the end, what he said over here has to stand over there. Amen. So I'm grateful for a God who's a creator. And he stole a pen from Satan and he can't write my story. Amen. And God writes my story every day. That's why this is the Lord's day. Because he doesn't only just write my story. And, and yeah, they're popping balloons. Don't worry. We're not going to run out of here. They're, they're writing, he's, God's writing my story, but he's not writing it in an ink pen. He's writing it in blood. And he's saying, this is my son and whom I've died for and who I gave my life for. And this is going to be the story of his life. And his story's going to bring me glory. And all of this glory may seem like a waiting process, but if it gives God more glory. I'm worthy of waiting. I think it's such a great thing that while I feel uncomfortable, God is working. And while I'm feeling like, God, where are you? And why is this happening? That he's entrusted us with a waiting period so that he can get more glory from it. 
Oh my goodness, I feel like preaching right now. If you understand that Lazarus dying was going to give God more glory and that he said, I'm happy for you that there is going to be great glory come from this, then you have to know that it's worth waiting on God whenever you're not in a situation like Lazarus. I watch God work so many times. I've driven to church. I've flown to places without money to get home, and I've seen God do great things. This annoys me. See, my ADD's coming out. So what happens is whenever God moves on our behalf, he touches things and speaks to things. And so God is standing there in flesh, and they're coming to him. They're like, your Lazarus is going to die. And he says, it's not unto death. And he sent his word, and his word took off traveling toward Bethany. And it went by that house where Lazarus was laying, and it went and it stayed in that cave where they were going to lay Lazarus. And Lazarus's experiences in life was actually catching up to God's already preemptive word. So God's word, what has God spoken over you? What has God said over your life? What is God waiting? Have you ever spoken into a cave before? It's like, hello. And then what does it do? Echo. It echoes. You know why it does that? Because the sound from your voice is bouncing off different surfaces in the cave looking for something to absorb it. And until it finds something to absorb that word, it just keeps on echoing. And so God sends his word ahead of us so often as the author, the originator, and the finisher of our lives. And he's just waiting on us to catch up and absorb the word. And the way that you absorb the word and activate it is through your praise. So I come on Monday, Lord, I love you, I praise you. I don't know why the car broke down on the way to church, or I don't know why the car broke down on the way to work, but I praise you anyways. And then you come back, and then on Tuesday, Lord, I still don't have another situation, I don't have a situation resolved, but I praise you anyway. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it anyways. Wednesday comes by, still praising. Thursday, still praising. The devil's getting a migraine. Friday, still praising. And guess what happens? You praise your way in to absorbing the word of God that he's already spoken over your life. That's why we want his presence here. Because when his presence is here, he begins to speak into our lives. And when he speaks, we can activate it with our worship. I don't know if that's making good sense to you or not, but I, I see here in the story that I would be irritated. I'd be like, uh-uh, no, he didn't. He didn't just do that. He's waiting on it to get worse. My strength is made perfect in weakness, but I don't always want to go through weakness to see God's strength, amen? But it's for my glory. I, I, I know that, but I'm uncomfortable. If there's no way for him to get more glory out of it than for it to be completely out of control to where I can't do anything about it, then I guess I have to wait on God to move, amen? If God answers some prayers too soon, he wouldn't get maximum glory. So he waits sometimes. His glory, our development. God's teaching us here that he wants to mature us. And so I know people that just bring God a laundry list of things they want. I know that. They're like, you know, just give me this, Lord, and give me that, Lord, and I'm good. And God's like, have you not read Matthew? If you, I'll take care of all those things if you put the kingdom first. I'll add all these things unto you. He's like, go back and read my word. And Jesus does something so amazing when he sits there and, and they're like, please come with us. And Jesus is like, no, I sent my word. It's going to take care of things. And I just want you to know that God is speaking over your life. 
and he's speaking over my life. And the devil cannot devise any device that can stop that word. That's what's important to know. And so Jesus does something here in the scripture that's called first, the principle of firsts. He sends a word ahead of the situation in order to create the miracle that needs to take place. I wondered why so many times that God speaks at the beginning and we don't know necessarily what he's doing or working on. And you see in the story some people that, have you ever gone to some people that get basically, they feel, shortchanged? Have you ever gone to a um, vending machine and put in money and you're going to buy something? I don't know if you ever eat out of a vending machine. Probably not a good idea. But if you've ever done that before and you tried to buy something, you put your money in and you push the buttons and nothing happens. They did a survey and they found out that one of the most frustrating things in people's lives is when they don't get what they're expecting from something. They're most frustrated in life because they put so much investment in and got nothing back. Amen. And sometimes we can be very frustrated because we're putting a lot into our marriage. Maybe we're putting a lot into something at work. Maybe we've done the time and the effort to put it into a relationship and there's just nothing coming back from it. And you can feel shortchanged, amen? I feel like Mary and Martha might have felt like that. They had put their time. They had loved on Jesus. Martha and Mary who had loved Jesus and they they would have expected him to come. And I think at that moment after investing so much in him, they would think that he would invest an early return for them and save their brother. Because you have to understand the times. This was Middle Eastern area. They were covered by Lazarus. Mary and Martha, they lived under the covering of Lazarus. And when Lazarus died, they were uncovered. They could be taken for debts, thrown in prison. There could be all kinds of things happen to them. And so they have to understand, you have to understand the situation. They were not asking Jesus just to come heal their brother. They were asking Jesus to come and protect them. And so in that protection, they're saying, God, you know the situation, you know it intimately. And I need you to move on my behalf. And he doesn't. Have you ever been there before where you felt gypped? We felt like you put something in, but you didn't get it back. I sometimes feel that way. I'll be honest with you. I feel that way on different things in my life, and I just have to keep on putting it in the hands of the Lord because I know if he began it, he'll finish it. So I, be, I make a habit of worshiping him whenever I don't feel it. I'm so glad I know the power of preemptive word. I don't know what's going to happen in my life, but Jesus does. And so I trust him to be in control of all the things that I don't know. He turns some things around just by his word. And so Martha, now let me show you a couple of things. Martha comes out. So Jesus is like doing what Jesus does. He's like, the sickness is not unto death. Verse 4, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And so he says something that seems almost untrue. Because he said, this sickness is not unto death, but then Lazarus dies. Have you ever had something like that happen? Like somebody, you're at, you're at a great service or you're at a conference or something. Someone prays a prophecy over you and they're speaking word over you or something. And, and, or they're like, today God's going to activate this and activate that. And you get to work on Monday and it feels like nothing happened. Or you come back to church on Sunday and you're like, okay, what's going on? Well, the interesting thing is that 
even though it doesn't always feel like it, God is still doing something with that word. And so even here, when he said it's not unto death, you go down to verse 11, and Jesus is like, Lazarus sleepeth. And then you get to verse 14, and he's like, um, Lazarus is dead. And then you get a little bit further down, and he's like, he gone. <laughs> he pulls a Marcus Goodman. He gone. He's done. He's dead. And they're wrapping him up and putting grave clothes on him and doing all the ceremonial stuff back with tears because Jesus didn't show up. Have you ever had to... Have you ever had to do something and you just had to keep your faith and just keep on working even though you had maybe a tear that nobody knew about in a dark moment in the night? You just cried yourself in, in, a, in a situation where you just had, had a lot of grief and nobody knew about it, but you just kept on working and you just kept on doing things for the Lord and you kept on going to the house of the Lord and you kept on being faithful, but you had this thing in your heart where you were like, God, I invested in that and it didn't give back to me. God, I, I, I did something and I wasn't giving to get, but Lord, I knew that if I sowed a seed, there should be a harvest. And I don't see a harvest yet. I don't see what I think I should see out of this situation. And yet while I cried tears, I know you're working. But I just don't know if I can hang on anymore. I, I'd ask you to do one thing. Jesus is your hope. And would you just tie a knot to the end of that rope you're swinging from. And hang on for dear life. Because hope is on its way down your dusty road. Jesus is coming. And he's going to come right on time. And he's going to make great things happen from your situation and your struggle. I worship in the middle of the problem because he might be the alpha and the omega, but the difficult thing for my flesh is worshiping in the middle of the situation. Amen? And so I know it's so easy. We started this church, and it was so easy to praise God at the beginning. Everybody's happy. We're starting a church. Praise God. So glorious. Going to have revival. And then over here, when we have revival, we're going to be like, Woo, look at what God did. He gave us a place. We're worshiping the Lord. We're having a good time. Everybody's having, we're, we're singing prayers and answers. But what do we do in the middle? When we're like, okay, who do I teach a Bible study to? <laughs> I, I need to send somebody a ticket to the movie night, but I don't have any friends right now. What do you do when you're in the middle? How do you handle it? I don't know if you're like me, but I do have moments of doubt. I know that's amazing that I might have moments of doubt. But I think it's interesting that Lazarus' name means God is my help. And while in the middle of the greatest trials and struggles of Mary and Martha's life, Lazarus dies who means God is my help. I, how do you think Lazarus felt? Look at it from Lazarus' perspective. He's like, hey, my Jesus is going to come for me. <laughs> He's going to be here. He's probably here now. Someone go check. <laughs> They're like, how are you feeling, Lazarus? He's like, I'm dying. What do you think is wrong with me? <laughs> but Jesus is going to take care of me. He's my boy. You know, he's... He's going to come and he's going to take care of stuff. He's probably here. He's probably here already. I don't know. But he's going to make it happen because we are, we're, we're like this, me and Jesus. And on the way down, they lose their brother. And Jesus says it's not unto death, even though it's a death. And Lazarus' perspective probably was, my best friend betrayed me. My best friend forgot about me. Have you ever had to lose a best friend to keep the will of God in your life? Have you ever had to go through dark days to keep the light of God in your life? 
because you you were like, no, God's will for my life is bigger than the friends I have around me. And so anything, I want to talk to you for just a minute, but anything that dies prematurely in your life, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection to that thing. I'm the revival to what dies. And the prerequisite for revival is a dead thing. Amen? If you go to a revival and you don't have something dead, you're in the wrong place. Because that's what a revival is supposed to do, is revive anything that has died in your life. Anything that needs reviving today, I really feel like God wants to be the resurrection and life in that situation. That's what I feel like. I came here to preach that today because Mary and Martha lost their covering. They lost everything and they're in the middle of a moment of trial and Jesus is on his way but he doesn't come back till four days later. Now three days he's been in the tomb and they're like four days. Now he stinks and Jesus is coming into the city and Martha greets him and Martha goes out and she's like in verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat in the house. Everyone say, Mary had an attitude. She's like, uh-uh, no, he didn't. He's going to show up four days late. We all had dressed up and had the funeral. We had the luncheon. Put that food away. He, Jesus isn't getting no food. He's done. He he's not going to come and show up fashionably late. Put them rolls away. Put that lamb leg, leg of lamb away. He, he's a lamb slain, but he ain't getting no lamb today. He's not getting brunch because he didn't show up on time. She's got an attitude. If you interpret, if you find out Mary's name in the Hebrew, it means rebellion, rebellious. Look it up. Her name is rebellion. She sat there with an attitude because Jesus didn't come when she wanted him to. How many have been in the place of Mary before? You don't have to raise your hands, but you've had a moment where you're like, God, it didn't turn out like I wanted it to. I had a moment like that. A friend of mine named Patrick Jens, oh, I just started witnessing to him, just started witnessing to him, and things didn't go the way I thought they were going to go. And I looked to see him the next year, and I found out that over the summer he had had a four-wheeler accident and gone on into eternity. And while I was sitting there with my attitude of like, God, I'm trying to win my friends and, and why would we lose them? God was like, I have a plan in it all. I have a plan in this. And later on, I would find out what that plan was, but I didn't understand what God was up to at the moment and neither did she. So she runs out to meet him and she said, if you had been here, and she said, my Lord, she said, verse 21, Then Mary said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whosoever, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And I am, what I'm blown away by is the fact that she, she persists. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise in the resurrection at the last day. She just didn't understand. So she presses a little bit further, and Jesus said, no, you don't understand. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a man. I am the resurrection in the life. And so she gets the revelation. Everyone say revelation. Funny thing about growing up in Pentecost, we were so blessed to have lots of revelation teaching. How many have been in church a long time? Raise your hand. How many have been under some very rich revelatory preaching in your lifetime? We have a lot of revelation, but I want you to know that there's something that we are lacking, and that's activation. So 
I spent a lot of time under revelation and people would be like, Jesus is this and Jesus is that. And he'd pre they'd preach amazing sermons. But then I would go away and I wouldn't see that revelation come to pass in my life. I'd be like, why is it not happening here for me? And I got kind of a complex, a Mary complex. And after a while, I kind of thought, well, maybe God's going to do it for someone else, but not for me. And I had to spend some time fixing my attitude. Anybody had to have an attitude adjustment from the Lord? So anyways, Jesus gives Martha revelation, but then you notice that Mary, he calls for Mary. And Mary comes out in verse 32. If you look at that, Mary comes to him and she says, and then Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him. She's like, all right, fine. I'll go talk to him. He didn't want to show up, but I'll go see him. She goes out there and she fell down at his feet saying unto him, notice the posture that she takes. She takes a posture of worship. She fell down on his feet and said unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother would not have died. Notice, I want you to see this because this is revelatory. Martha said the same words to Jesus and she got revelation. Jesus, when, she, when he saw therefore her weeping and the Jews also weeping, he came unto her um, with her. He groaned in his spirit and he said unto her, where have you laid him? So Martha says the same words, and she gets a revelation, I am the resurrection. Mary comes in a posture of worship, and Jesus said, take me to him. Whenever you understand that, when you know that you talk with God and you realize he's your resurrection, you're going to get lots of revelation from God. I live with lots of wonderful revelation of who he is, that Jesus is Lord and that there's power in his name and all these different rich, deep things about the blood of Christ and the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world that literally God spoke a word to create so that he could have the word standing at the end and he spoke a word in the beginning that there was a lamb going to be slain from the foundations of the world so that there was a lamb standing and taking on the cross for our sins when it came time for him to be born in the earth when the fullness of time was come I'm grateful for all those revelations but while I live with all those revelations I want you to know that I found a place in God that activates all the word that's been over my life and it's a posture of worship it's when you kneel before God and I was talking earlier about every name that that his name must bow and I'm grateful that I know the scripture that every name in heaven and in earth that is above and below must bow to the name of Jesus Christ and so then whenever I send my praise up to God I'm not just wasting my time going okay I'm waiting here's my praise we'll go to church we'll go home we'll go to lunch now that's not what I'm doing I'm coming here and I'm honoring the work that he's already initiated by his word and his word is going to meet me at the the end and whenever I'm worshiping God the way I'm worshiping him I'm actually saying I don't see your word at work but I know this worship honors you and I know it activates the word in my life and when I get over here I'm going to look back with no regrets and I'm going to say I worshiped him for what I didn't know about and I worshiped him when it didn't feel like revival and I worshiped him when I didn't have a soul or a Bible study and I worshiped him when when it didn't make sense in my life and I worshipped him when there was no reason to worship when I lost still had my hands raised God you're worthy God you're worthy and in the end of our days we'll look back and say good thing I was praising because <laughs> he was doing something amazing with my life he brought me out he changed my heart. 
He gave me the capacity to love him. Whenever I didn't even really have a good understanding what love was. God is so great that he responds to Martha. And he responds to Mary because he'll always respond. But the level of his response was based on their approach to God. You didn't do it. I can't believe you didn't do it. Yeah, it's going to happen, but sure didn't happen here. I'm the resurrection, Martha. Mary comes. I'm so angry that you didn't show up, but I still worship you. He says, now you've got my attention. Let's go and let's bring Lazarus out of that cave. They didn't put him in a grave. They put him in a cave. God had already sent his word. And the interesting thing is that the Bible talks about where two or three agree. Amen? That the word of God needs to have a, an agreement of two or three um, uh, references. And, and often when you read the word of God, you need to know that, the, that when you just take one scripture out, it can be confusing. But you need to have it align itself with other scriptures in the word of God. And so Jesus, being the word made flesh, knew that he was going to need an agreement on that word. He was going to need faith to bring Lazarus forth. And so when he was do, what he was actually doing is when they came to him as messengers and he sent his word over to that cave before the body even got there to receive the word and the miracle that he showed up to do something that they had never seen before oh he walked into a funeral procession when someone was only dead for maybe a day or so and he just raised them up or maybe less than 24 hours and he raised them up but they had never seen someone dead for four days come out of a grave not at this point and so when Jesus knew this he said I'm going to have to send something ahead of myself showing up so that when I get there they may not have the faith for the resurrection but I'll already have my word to agree with myself so when I go to bring Lazarus forth there's a power in the combined word of God so he sent his word ahead before he got there so that he can have two or three agreeing on that situation because he didn't know if he'd have faith around him to believe that he could bring Lazarus forth have you ever had a moment where you just took God's word and you didn't have a precedent you didn't have anything that ever that ever rose up in a story that made sense to you but you had a situation where you needed God to move and you just said, well, if there's a word on it, I can take it and I can stand on it. That's what you need to know is that God's word has already been established in the earth. It's forever settled. And so what we need to do is take his word and stand on it and agree with it so that God can do the work. Amen. I hope I said that right. So and then they get to Lazarus. And God's like, bring him forth. And he comes out like the thriller mover. <laughs> he's like thriller <laughs> he's like loose him and let him go there was always work involved if you look at the original translation the word stone that they rolled in front of the grave actually translates in the Greek to law and so he sent his word of grace into that cave before they could put the law in front of it and so that he, whenever he said, roll the stone away, what he was saying is, take away all the hindrances so I can do the miraculous. I love the word of God. How about you? You can search it out if you want. Lazarus responded to God's word, and he came forth. Amen? I'm grateful for miracles. There is a difference between miracles and healings, but... I know this, that as a faith-filled individual, I want to see God do so much more. And so as I close this sermon, I want to do this. Do you have a worship that you want to give God?
and a praise that you want to give God that you have no idea what it's for. But you're like, you know, have you ever had a had a situation where you're buying something with a card and you're swiping it and it's transacting and you don't know for sure if there's enough on that card to buy that particular thing? Don't raise your hand and don't look around. But you're like swiping and you're like speaking in tongues. <laughs> you're like swipe and it's going transacting. You're like, level. <laughs> and then you and it's like sending. You're like, oh baba <laughs> Come on, baby. Hopefully there's enough in there. And then it says approved. You're like, yay! Woo! It's like you got a touchdown, you know. Have you ever had that moment where you swipe something on credit and you hope it's there? I don't do it often, trust me, but it's kind of like that with your praise. You're actually giving God praise on credit for what he's going to do, and I promise you there will be no regrets to your worship ever. You will never have a moment where you went, I wish I would have just sat there and had a merry complex and not do anything about going to see Jesus, but if you get up on a Sunday, you get your kids ready, and you still come to the house of God, even while you got bills laying on the table you can't pay, and even though you got issues in your family that's not perfect, and even though you have something in maybe in your body that God hasn't healed yet if you just come to the house of the Lord and say this is the day that the Lord hath made I will rejoice and be glad in it I will give him my praise and my glory till I see and expect it in because his word is working over me and his word is working in my life I dare you to stand with me right now and just give God a praise on preemptive credit give God a praise and just swipe that Holy Ghost credit card and just say, God, if you would, if you would, I'll praise you while you're working. I'll praise you while I don't understand it. I'll praise you while I'm seeking you. God, I'll praise you while I just don't have all the answers yet. Come on, somebody. What if your praise today is on this side of your miracle? And if you praise your way into the activation of God's power, he would do something great. And you'd leave here with your miracle today because your praise activates and your worship posture gets God's attention, and he does a great work. Amen, amen. Lift your hands to him right now, and let's just love on the Lord. Jesus, I need you to move. My praise and my worship comes from a deep desire to have you do the things you can only do in my life. This is the Lord's day. This is his day to work. And I'm asking you right now to start a Holy Ghost work in somebody's life. If there's something that's died out, would you just revive it in the name of Jesus? I speak activation over gifts in this house, prophetically in the name of Jesus. I speak activation over prayers that have laid dormant for 20 years. Right now in the name of Jesus, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I speak prayers that you've forgotten about, that God's going to answer. Why don't you come to this altar right now? Let's praise God for the things he wants to do in our life would you reach for him would you just come with a posture of worship and would you say Lord whatever you're doing I'm on board I'm I'm part of the team I'm gonna wait on you if I've got to praise you in the middle you're still my alpha and my omega I know you can do a work God I know that you're working on it and I trust you to make it all work together for good in Jesus name